Welcome to Nashville Life. For those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church. I'm really glad you're with us. Of course, it's always good to see the familiar faces that I know. Um, but yeah, we are uh, in October. I'm seeing some sweaters out here. I'm seeing some jackets. The weather's getting colder. Some of y'all are really happy about that. I, I don't know if I love it yet, but um, it's a beautiful day regardless. Um, happy birthday to my mom. And, and then, let's see. Oh, yeah, before I get into the message, I want to tell you guys, uh, the serve day that we're doing on the 28th, we're collecting pantry food items over the next couple of weeks. There's a bin to my right in the lobby. Um, if you guys can, we would love if you can see what the items are, because um, we have specific things that we're able to distribute. If you text serve NL to 77411, uh, you can see the list of things that we're collecting. And if you can, either today or the next couple of days, or next couple of weeks, I should say, uh, we're collecting. So feel free to contribute. And I know it'll be a blessing to uh, men and women in our city who are going to be blessing on the 28th. So uh, next few weeks, we're collecting items. Feel free to bring something. But uh, I am looking forward to getting into our series. We are in part two of our series. And uh, before I do, I would like for us to recite uh, this declaration of faith before we get into scriptures. So if you can, just repeat these words after me. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, one of my friends uh, last service was like, man, that was good. That was a good word. I needed to hear that. He said, my heart conceived it. Now I got to go out and do it so my life can achieve it. I'm like, that's it. We don't want to just hear it, but we want to go out and do it. We want our lives to actually accomplish the things that the scriptures are, are calling for us to be and for us to do. That's why we say that. Um, but Under Pressure is the title of the series for October, Under Pressure. And uh, we are talking about how the pressures of life, if we respond to it the way the Bible is leading us to respond to pressures, we can actually find that these, these pressuring situations that we tend to avoid um, can actually become opportunities to develop us as people, to glorify God, and to most importantly make a difference in the lives of others, or I should say ultimately make a difference in the lives of others. And that's what we want to do here at Nashville. If we want to glorify God, we want to grow in our own life, but we also want other people to benefit from our lives. We want other people's lives to be changed um, because of our influence in their life through Jesus Christ. So, so that's why we're doing it. Uh, James chapter 1 is a chapter that, uh, or a verse that many of you all have used to get through tough situations, and um, that's why it's there. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then it says, let steadfastness have its full effect. So let it have its full effect 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the word of God, God is inviting us to, to this point of life where we can honestly say we are complete and lacking in nothing. And as awesome as that destination is, the road to that destination includes trials, pressuring situations, finding yourself under pressure in different ways. Um, years ago, I was living in Melbourne, Australia, and I was a part of a ministry class. It was nine months, and they had this part of the class where they were teaching people, teaching us, the students, to prophesy. The Bible encourages for Christians to prophesy, which is really just speaking a word from God to a brother or to a sister um, or anybody in a way to build them up, to encourage them, to, to edify them in Christ. Um, so there was an exercise they had us do where we were paired up. It was about 30, 30, 40 of us in a class. And we got paired up with different people. And the, the exercise was one at a time, uh, you pray and then, and then you, uh, you know, take a step and try to prophesy and, and speak what you believe God is telling you for the other person. And then, and then the other person does the same thing to you. And the point of the exercise was to teach trust. They were trying to teach the students, us, to trust God, to trust that he is speaking to us, to trust that we as believers can hear him because the Bible says that the sheep of Jesus know his voice. So they were training us to trust that we can hear from God. And then lastly, trust that God loves the person that you're speaking to enough to give you something helpful and, and encouraging to say to them. So it was all about trust, right? So they had us go, uh, we were with our partner for about two or three minutes and then the leader would say, all right, switch partners. So then we would go and find somebody else. And uh, as uncomfortable as I was and as intimidating it was at, at first, the, it was a very uh, supportive and uh, fun atmosphere. It actually became a, a fun learning experience. So I was good. I was like, cool. And they said, okay, now here's the next round. And I was like, next round? What's the next round? And they said, they, they, they called a handful of people up front and uh, ask them to prophesy for people, but now in front of the whole, the whole class. Um, I did not want to be one of those people, and uh, I was. I was highly annoyed, and, and they, they, they brought me up in front of people. I was probably one of five, except this round, y'all, they, they made us cover our eyes. Like, we couldn't see the person that we were pr prophesying to. And again, the point of this exercise was trust, trusting that God speaks, trusting that we can hear his voice, uh, and trusting that God loves the person that you're praying for or prophesying to enough to give you something that will encourage them. Uh, but the eyes closed thing was like, hey, what, what is that about? And in context to the training, the reason why they had us not see who we were prophesying for was our sight in this exercise represented our own understanding. And taking away our sight as we prophesied was an exercise for us to uh, not lean on our own understanding or what we know. So, for instance, uh, you know, Trey's my best friend. I've known Trey for years. If 
in this context that Trey was in front of me, I could really lean on a lot of information that I know about Trey. I know Trey's preferences. I know Trey's interests. I know his strengths. I know some of his weaknesses. I've known Trey for a while, so I can easily be tempted to pull from information that I know out of my own understandings and, and call it prophecy when it's really just me talking to Trey and pulling out of what I know out of my own ability. Or, you know, you see someone show up in front of you and they are six foot eight and it's this, you know, young guy and you're just like, I just feel the Lord. I just, I just hear NBA. I just hear, I just hear there's a career in, in basketball for you, you know, you know. So, so you get it. You get it. It's, it's when, when hearing the voice of God and trusting God, we often are tempted to lean on what we know and pull from that well instead of the voice of God. So this exercise, again, they were not encouraging that we close our eyes every time we prophesy to somebody. But in context to the training, it was practice not being able to pull from what you know and what you see in profiling somebody and, and calling it prophecy. Actually trust that the Spirit of God knows how to talk to your heart and learn to see from the eyes of your heart and not these two things on your face, right? So, so I was... I mean, as much as I'm preaching it now and amening it now, I was not amening that day. I was scared. I was not happy that I was put in this position. I felt a lot of pressure, and uh, I, pre I pressed through that pressure, and, and God blessed, and, and I end up really uh, being used by God to the person that I was uh, prophesying for. It changed my life. I had no idea that the prophetic was that accessible to people like me. Um, so it blessed my life, but this message is not about prophecy, it's about pressure. And in that moment when I was asked to do this with my eyes closed, I, I felt uh, a, a degree of pressure, and I want to talk about that pressure today, and that is the pressure of trust. The pressure of trust is what I want to talk about today. It can be pressuring to trust. Uh, the pressure of trust is being faced with the choice to rely on someone or something out of your control. The pressure of trust is being faced with the choice to rely on someone or something out of your control. That's how we're defining trust for this message. And of course, as Christians, as a pastor, our focus today is trusting God. Trusting God. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. This scripture is fundamental to a successful life. And the reason why is because trusting God is essential to a successful life. Being able to overcome the mountains and trials that life brings us all. There's no way to successfully overcome this life, this, this difficult life that we've all been given without trusting God. It says not to lean on our own understandings. I want to briefly talk about your own understandings or our own understandings. First of all, 
they're not, they're not uh, the enemy necessarily. Our own understandings, it's, it's a natural thing. It's something that we have been forming and building since birth. I've got a, I've got a, a, a one-month-old at home, and, and as I look at her, I can even tell that she's processing and figuring things out and just figuring out how the world works around her. And it's, it's so fun watching all of this happen because you can just tell there's probably so much happening in that brain. And, and, and that never stops. The older we get, we have understandings that we form and we build our lives and we make our choices off of these understandings that we have built over the years. And that's a natural thing. And it's actually gotten us, many of us, where we are today, our own understandings. You know, and then, and then you meet God <laughs> and you give your life to God. And he hits you with the news that this understanding that you have carefully built all of your life since birth through elementary to junior high, high school, college, first job, second job, all this understanding that you've built can no longer be trusted. And you can't lean on it anymore if you want to reach uh, victory in your life. And God introduces us to this, this new path, this new world, if you will, called the spirit. And the spirit world is the world behind the curtain of the world that we see today. And the world that we see is how we've built our own understanding. We've built our own understanding from the world that we see. We see things and we learn things and we see people and that's how we've built it. And then God says there's a whole other world that's behind the world that you see. And this world is actually way more influential to the outcome of your life than the world that you see. Which is tough because... It's funny how he built this. The, the world that has the most influence over our lives is the one that we can't see. Sometimes I wish it was the opposite, you know, but it's not. The world, the spirit world, is actually the world that determines how well the world that you do see goes for you. So we're left with an issue because here we are hearing that the spirit world, this spirit world that God is talking about, is what determines the quality and the outcome of our lives, and we can't see it. So we perceive that in our own understandings as a problem. God doesn't see that as a problem because he goes, there's this thing called trust. And if you, as someone who can't see in the spirit, can trust me who can see in the spirit, I will lead you in this world that you can't see and cause you to succeed in the world that you do see. If you learn to follow God in the world and the realm that you don't see, he will cause you to do the impossible in the world that you do see. The pressure of trust is being faced with the choice to rely on someone or something out of your control. And that, that the, the, the challenge is that last phrase, out of your control. Our understandings represents our control. That's what we have built. We've designed it. We know it. We get it. It's something that we feel in control of. 
And then the Lord leads us to forsake that and trust in someone else. And yes, he's God, but he's still someone else. And as powerful as God is, it's difficult for people to trust that someone besides them knows better, especially when it comes to our lives, which is why we call it the pressure of trust. And I, I want to encourage you all, it's not always hard. I don't think it's always hard. I do believe that when you get a hang of trust, it actually becomes very liberating. It actually becomes very freeing because you realize the pressure is not on you, it's on the Lord. But not all of us are there. In fact, I'll go as far to say that none of us are, are at the point where we don't feel at least a degree of challenge when we are asked to step into something that we don't understand and rely solely on our trust in God. I want to talk about someone that had the same struggle, and I believe he overcame it, and his name is Abraham. Abraham was a man that was faced with this pressure several times. Abraham was asked to trust God and step out of his own understandings in, in a few ways. I want to talk about two of them first, and I'm going to highlight the third one. The first one is his uh, Abraham and Lot. Lot was his nephew. Uh, Abraham was commanded by God to, to leave his family and to leave, which was his father, his mother, his brother, his sisters, his cousins, nephew. They all were in this land. He says, leave this and come to a land that I will show you. He didn't tell him where the land was. He just said, follow me and I'll show you this land. And Abraham did what I'll call, uh, he partially trusted God in that he trusted God enough to leave the land and to go where uh, God was going to lead him, but he did not trust God enough to leave his family entirely. He took one family member with him, and God said to leave them all. He took his nephew, Lot, and Lot represents partial trust. Lot is that safety net. Lot is that just in case this doesn't work, I have something that I know and that I understand. Uh, part, uh, Lot represents that, that, that part of me that said when you, you know, when I was doing that prophecy exercise, you know, I want to at least see them that way. If God doesn't speak to me, I can just at least profile them and make something up based off the way they look. You know, that is, that represents our, our, our safety, our comfort, our own understandings. And that's partial trust. And partial trust, as much as we want to give it credit to be more than no trust at all, it ends up being really messy. Partial trust makes things messy. If you partially trust God in this moment, your life is way messier than it would be if you would fully trust God, which means there are complications and issues that are unnecessary that you do not have to be go, going through that's wasting time and money and energy and years if you would only fully trust God. Um, and I can speak that confidently. If you partially trust God, life is messier than if you trust him fully. And Abraham found this out with Lot. Lot brought so much mess into Abraham's life to where he was finally like, okay, I get it. We have to part ways. I have to fully trust God and do this thing on my own. And sure enough, God restored his life and led him to our next 
example, and that is Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was married, and at a very old, well, old age for what they were called to do. Uh, they were pushing, you know, 80s and 90s, and uh, God tells them that they are going to have a son. They're going to conceive biologically a son, and at their age, they thought that that was impossible, and I think pretty much most of us would agree that we would think the same thing. Um, my mom says, yes, that is. Okay, so um, um, I could say some things, but um, let's see. So Abraham did what he did with Lot. He partially trusted the Lord. He, he trusted that the Lord could give him a son, but the partial thing was he, he agreed to his wife's plan to conceive that son with her servant, Hagar. And he had uh, Ishmael with Hagar. And like I said, partial trust makes things messy. There was a lot of strife in that house. You can imagine he had his wife, Sarah, and then he had the mom of his son, and they were all living in the same house. And you can imagine the tension you can imagine the issues. And it got so bad to where the Lord said that Hagar and Ishmael needed to be sent away in order for the rest of God's plan to happen, which was to trust me the first time here, the first time I said it, I said it was you and Sarah. And yes, I know that goes beyond your own understandings, but I need you to trust me. And sure enough, just as God promised, Abraham and Sarah had a miracle son. His name was Isaac. And, and that leads me to the point I want to focus on today and just leave you with this. Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. And when Isaac was a boy, this is what God came to Abraham with. In verse 2 of Genesis 22. Then he, talking about God, said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Pressure. That's the pressure point. That's the pressure moment. Here, the same God that put a desire in your heart and a hope in your heart for a son in the first place, he waited 25 years for this son. He blesses you and your wife with this son miraculously. And before the promise could even be fulfilled of what the son was going to do, he tells you to present him as a burnt sacrifice. We're not talking about the Christian living sacrifice. We do. We're living sacrifices. This was, this was not a living He said this is going to be a burnt sacrifice, which means he will die. This is a killing of your son as a sacrifice and offering to me. Pressure, y'all. This should be proof that God is willing to take us through pressuring situations for his glory. So for some of y'all who be like, there's no way God would put me in this, think again. <laughs> um, so let's see, this is, this is how he responded to the pressure. 
Verse 3 through 5. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. So the pressure point, just to recap, is that the promised son that God gave him, the same God was now telling him to present Isaac as a burnt offering and to sacrifice the son on the altar. Uh, This is why it's so important for us to trust God. Because as in your walk with God, you will find out, and some of you guys have already found this out already, God will tell you one thing, and then he'll tell you the next thing, and according to your own understandings, guys, there's times where we're tempted to think that the two things contradict. And I've seen a lot of people miss out on the miraculous in their life and missing out on the miracle because they can't reconcile how God said this and he also said that and we, we deem them contradictory and we think it has to be one or the other. But everything God says, he says on purpose. Everything he does, he does with intent. He knows what he's doing. But if you don't trust God, you'll, you'll miss out on that revelation. And uh, you'll, you'll escape that tension that actually gives birth to a great miracle. And there's too many of us who are walking away from the tension instead of pressing through it and seeing something miraculous. I'm so grateful that we have Abraham who responded with what I'll call a statement of trust. Whenever there's a pressure point in your life, whenever you are experiencing a pressuring situation, you have multiple ways to respond. You can respond with a statement of fear. You can respond with a statement of doubt. Or you can respond with a statement of trust. And Abraham responded with a statement of trust. And let me, t- let me tell you where it's at. Some people miss this, but I can't not see it. Every time I read it, it's in verse 5. And that was when he told Abraham, sorry, that's when Abraham told his servant, men, he said, we will come back. Wow. I don't have enough time to unpack how much is in that word, we. Abraham was hit with uh, 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 the pressure of, okay, I know God said that I was going to have a son. And not only was I going to have a son, but he was going to produce descendants, which means he had to grow and have a wife and have a family. So, but then I know that God said to sacrifice my son. He said I'm going to have a son and the son would go on to produce descendants. He told me to sacrifice, okay. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this is going to work out. 
but we will be back. I don't know how God is going to reconcile the fact that he has given me the son and that he's telling me to make him a burnt offering, but men, we will be back because though I don't know how this is going to work, I trust God. And because I trust God, we will be back. That's what you call a statement of trust. Now, did he know how it was going to happen? No, he didn't know how it was going to happen. He was like, maybe he'll tell me this was a test. Maybe I'll actually have to go through it and kill my son, and God has the power to raise him back up from the dead, and we come back. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we will be back. This is a learning experience or opportunity for some of you all today. Some of you guys let, since you don't know how it's going to happen, you let that equate it's not going to happen. And that's pride. Because pride says if I don't understand it, it's not real. Pride says if I don't understand it, it's not true. Pride says if I don't know how, then it won't. I didn't say that the first service. So maybe this is in the room. Guys, trust says I don't know how, but I trust God. I don't understand, but I trust him. I'm so grateful, Abraham's, I don't know how this is happening, but I trust God, and this promise has not been fulfilled yet, and God is a promise keeper. So if he has to raise up my son from the dead himself, we will be back. So Abraham, verse 6 through 8. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, this is the next statement of trust, God will provide. I don't know how, I don't know where, but God, he, this, is, this is what, I, and God's fathers, this is how you can really, we got to learn how to talk to our kids this way. He's teaching, he's being an example, this is how you trust God when it doesn't make sense. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Let's keep going. Verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son. I mean, he actually tied him up. Tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham passed the, 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 the test of trust. When you're under pressure and you're left with nothing but trust in God, 
How will you respond? Now, before I put Abraham on too high of a pedestal, y'all, Abraham had some failures in the past. He, he didn't trust God fully with the Lot situation. He didn't trust God when he, you know, got uh, conceived uh, Ishmael with Hagar. And that's why you have to really learn how to give rejoice in all things. Because even your failures can serve as help. Once you bump your head enough times, not fully trusting God, by the time that Abraham got to Isaac, he was like, I, I think I should probably fully trust God this time. Because last time I halved it, it was a mess. And the time before that that I halved it, it was a, I'm going to fully trust God this time. And look what happened. Verse... Uh, 13 through 18, I won't go through it, but the Lord provided just like he trusted that he would, a ram in the bush. And he sacrificed that ram. That ram. And verse 15, uh, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. Y'all, this is, this, is, this is where I want all of you all to reach in your life and while I'm preaching this so passionately because I believe that what I'm about to read is there is your version of this in your life for your life verse 16 says God I swear by myself declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son your only son verse 17 I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. There is a miraculous life that God has in store for every single person in this room and every single person watching online. I can say that with full confidence that God has a miraculous, not just a good life, a miraculous life, an abundance, abundant life that God has for all of us. But the threshold to the miracle is that pressure of trust. And next time you all are faced with the, with the pressure to trust God and not lean on your own understandings, please Learn from this story and understand that there is a miraculous life on the other side of your trust. If you trust with him, like the word says, and not lean on your own understandings, he will direct your path. And when the place, I, I can promise you, Jesus is a good shepherd, and the place that he's leading you and the path that he's leading you is miraculous. It is, I mean, this was a miracle. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Some of you guys are being faced with that pressure of choice even this, in this moment. There's things going on in your life. There's multiple things going on in your life where you, where you feel that tension of going with what makes sense to you or going what you know that God said in his word. Please. Don't resist the pressure. Don't run away and choose the comfort of your own understandings. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit God. Don't limit his plans for your life. Don't 
rob yourself from experiencing the impossible. Some of you all, I need to remind you that the story is not a story to... Don't let the enemy use the story to make you question the character of God. I feel like I need to say that to some people. Don't let this story be an opportunity for the enemy to make you question God's character and his goodness. I want to say this, and I want you to hear me. God is not cruel. He's not confusing. He's God. He's good. But in our context, he's a father. And fathers, good fathers, train their children. And God is a father who allows us to experience pressuring situations, not to scare us, not to harm us, but to train us to trust him above all. So he allows us to go through situations to develop our ability to trust him because his vision for your life is that you're someone who trusts him with all your heart. And until he, you can trust him with all your heart, there's going to be pressuring moments to test and to develop your trust to where you can get to where you're 60% trusting God to 100% trusting God. So if you're ever wondering, you know, why, that's why. God is a father. He's not taunting you. He's not mad at you. He's not playing games with you. He's training you as his son and as his daughter in Christ. Last, last statement. Because I know it's hard to be asked to trust in someone more than your own self. Many of us have been through life, and, and life has taught us that the only person that we can trust is numero uno, us. And I know it's a tall order to ask you to trust your life with someone else. Let me tell you about that someone else. First of all, God knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you more than you love yourself. And his plans for your life are more fulfilling than the plans that you have for yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you more than you love yourself. And his plans for you are more fulfilling for you than the plans you currently have for yourself. But you know what it takes to believe what I just said? Trust. You have to trust him to believe in this. You have to trust that he knows you better than you know yourself. You have to trust that he loves you more than you love yourself. And you have to trust that his plans for you are more fulfilling than the plans that you have for yourself. And when you trust him, lean not on your own understandings. Watch him direct your path and you will experience the impossible you will experience the miraculous in your life. And what's cool is miracles are contagious. So when people see the miracles in your life, 
it's going to impact them. And they're going to make a decision to trust in this God that did that stuff for you. And then you're going to let them know this is, this, this is about trust. And if you trust God like I'm trusting him, watch him do good things in your life. And that's how the kingdom of God grows. So I want to pray for the kingdom of God to grow today. I want to pray uh, that, that all of us would make a decision to trust God more and to respond to these pressuring situations with a statement of trust. God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't understand the circumstance that I'm in, but I trust you. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We thank you for the word. I pray in Jesus' name that you would inspire every person watching online, every person sitting in the room to trust you. Lord, many people are afraid of what they don't understand. And they're afraid of what doesn't make sense to them. But Lord, let them know that if they trust you, they have no reason to fear. Because everything that we don't understand, you understand completely. Everything that's confusing to us is crystal clear to you. So Lord, let all of us, including me, place our trust with you. Let us take a break from our own understandings and learn what it's like to lean fully on you, the one who loves us, the one who has plans to prosper and to bless us, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. Lord, as we end the service today, I pray, Lord, that people would place their trust in the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Lord, we trust you. Lead us to places that we cannot lead ourselves. And we'll continue to praise and thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm going to give everybody a chance to place your trust in Jesus. It's real simple. You pray a prayer, believe it in your heart, confess Jesus as Lord, and then start a life of placing your trust more and more on Jesus. If you trust Jesus, you will not be disappointed. If you trust him, he will not let you down. You will find yourself in green pastures that you didn't know were possible. You will find miracles in your life that would never have been possible without God. That's how good Jesus is. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to get in position as we pray. Repeat these words after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Let's all say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's give a praise to Jesus for being trustworthy. If you said yes to the Lord Jesus, congratulations. This prayer team is here to pray for whatever needs you have. 
They love you. They love God. On your way out, please, if you need prayer of any kind, don't hesitate. This team is here to pray. You can also let us know your decision by texting the word BELONG to 77411. It's a good way to connect. we got a lot of good things happening this fall. We would love for you all to know about it in case you want to come. So text that number and we can connect with you that way. Our next steps uh, meeting is at 1 o'clock, one floor up. And then if you would like to give, thank you in advance, you can give online or you can uh, go to the lobby and our team, our finance team can serve you out there. I love you. I pray that you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy this fall Sunday. Remember the altar is open, so receive prayer if you want it. And y'all, let's keep trusting God. See y'all next week. Love you.